This episode is brought to you by Sleep Number. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. And with Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping and gives you personalized insights for your best sleep. Stick around. You stick around. (laughs) Later in the episode to hear a special segment from us and Sleep Number. Bye. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. Everybody loves me. Anyhow, that's All right. Well, welcome everybody to a new installment of number one world's most internationally beloved podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring Nick Offerman and featuring (laughs) Megan Mullally with (laughs) this this, week's very special guest star, Mike White. (laughs) <laughs> Mike is a heroic Los Angeles screen writer and director and creator and of actor. television shows and actor and reality, reality television star. Yeah. So we're going to talk about pretty much mostly reality television, but we're gonna, we're gonna throw a bone at the fine works of art that Mike has created. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for coming Thanks over for here. Me Welcome to our bed. You're the first person to wear our complimentary socks. <laughs> I thought they were, I felt like I was like, I think they want me to wear the socks. They don't want me to get <laughs> no. my dirty feet on the bed. No, we no. didn't. Uh, it was because we had a guest who didn't, it felt feel comfortable having their feet exposed, so we had to run out and buy socks. Oh, shit. Since we're on, we're in our bed, and it's right. you, you know a lot of people are, wear shoes aren't on the wearing bed. socks. Look, I look, we're all trusted, so I'm gonna. Oh um, God! I don't want to I Listen, sock. I just want to show you. Oh God! The, I've been. I, I run. Nick's taking his socks off, dear listener. So it's looking pretty good right now. I have these beat up, like, blistery no, areas. Why do we have to do this? Aww. Well, because I want to find out if it's okay if you would prefer me in socks. I just assume. <laughs> yeah. So you okay. do want people to wear socks. Well, that's for the, our guests. Okay. <laughs> I think you feel like Mike White can take it. I just hadn't asked. I, now, I don't think that would be I know. fair to I think you're feeling other, good, though, others. Listen, that was communication. We did it. Um, There's at, nothing to be ashamed of. Asked and answered. As far as your feet. Mike, how did we meet? I'm trying to remember. How did how, you and I meet? How, I or you and you know, What's funny is I have a memory of both of you at, I think, my 30th birthday party. I had a 30th birthday party at an old, um, um, it was like a pretty popular, like, Mediterranean restaurant on Melrose that was like, had like a bar and then in the back was like yeah. outdoor seating. It yeah. was like a popular place. It was right near Fairfax, but I, it's gone now. But well, I, ha- I had my 30th birthday there. If we didn't know you yet, why would we have been You were friends with Jack with Black Jack, yeah. and oh. Laura. And and I think, you, was Will and Grace on it at then? Pro- yes. Uh, in, it, was t- it was 2000. Yeah, that was the year we met, actually. So anyway, and I remember, yeah, you were there together. You yeah. were at my 30th birthday party. Oh, my god! But I don't think we, I mean, it wasn't until much later that we actually were, like, conversing. But I, May but I say I re- that you're holding up really well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank when, you. When is you your, when's your birthday? What day, time of the year? What date, yeah. June 28th. What? Dude, you are two days younger than me. 1970. June 26, 1970. Oh, my God. That's June 26 is my dad's birthday. And what? it's Aubrey Plaza's birthday. And it's you Aubrey Plaza's birthday. And Jason Schwartzman's birthday. It's Jason Schwartzman's birthday, too. Schwartzman, Paul Thomas Anderson, Ariana Grande. You don't Ariana know Grande. Ariana Grande or Paul Thomas Anderson. No. We're talking about people we sort of know. All right, just friends. That is, I, it's weird. I, I don't, I mean, I grew up in L.A., so I have to know astrology. It's sort of like, at some point, you <laughs> yeah, have to, like, yeah, grade. know what it is. So, but, like, I don't know if I yeah, really believe in it, all they've done, all that. But, like, it is weird how, like, the people that I know, their birthdays cluster 
in in times where I'm supposed to be compatible with those people. Like I know like a ton of people like in the last week of June and early July birthday. I do too, yeah. And like a ton of people end of October, early Nova Scorpios. So yeah, I'm a Scorpio. Yeah, so I'm so it doesn't surprise me. Like I oh, like yeah. literally half the friends I have are are cancers and Scorpios. That's really funny. Yeah, I, and I I must say I love um a lot of my friends are Los Angeles natives and I I I love the people who grew up here. It's funny because I've really, I've done it. I have done it all. I mean, as far as like <laughs> new age, I like it's just at some point you have to like you the know you have to have tray. your first yeah you have to go to your first you know Ayurvedic astrologist. It just it's like I mean you can't live here yeah. fifty years and you know I don't, you can't get your vehicle registered until you've done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um, I find it, I actually do find it straight. Uh, this is how I am. Yeah, like when people be like, oh, I don't really know anything about astrology. They'll be my age. I'm like, how could you not know? I mean, you're 50 years old and you don't know your signs? <laughs> you don't know your rising sign? What the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> there used to be this uh, amazing metaphysical bookstore in Los Angeles on Melrose called the Bodhi Tree. Yeah, of course. And everybody misses that. It's been closed now for 10 oh, years. Oh, I spent at least. so many hours just wandering the Bodhi Tree and never Me coming too. out with a book, just like licking in the aisles. Me too. Just like, yeah. And, but I also think, I also went through a period where I would do like every like personality, t like the Enneagram, the Myers Brit, like all, like there's so many different ways to think about yourself. What'd you say? And I've done An it all. Enneagram? What? Enneagram, like those, there's the nine personality. Oh, you don't know about the Enneagram? No, I thought I knew all of it. That's basic stuff, Megan. <laughs> I would say you're probably a three. And what's a three? Three is like a performer. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. Most people in our, I mean, it's a, they're also like a cheat. They like a cheat. They like to be. They want to be seen. I'm, I'm a three. Mm. And what do you think Nick is? Eight and a half. <laughs> it's a, it's that's harder. For, Good with a shovel. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. You, you should I you know what I can give you a link where you can do a couple like you take it's like a hundred questions, but after you you it, it you can get oh. your results in like I'll, three different I'll types of personality have it done tests. By eight o'clock tonight, that's for sure. And actually, I when I was stuff like that. one of the things that was funny when I went on. Uh, Amazing Race and Survivor is they Amazing Race. They make you take all of these standardized psych tests, mm -hmm. and it's. I mean, that's just like that's. I can't think of a more fun way to spend time than like. <laughs> this is what I'm like. Isn't that, isn't that Hollywood or? And what? they don't do that on Survivor. Oh, they yeah, you do it on Survivor. But what was funny? What's funny about Amazing Race is that you do it with your partner. You take the test mm -hmm. separately, obviously, but then you get your results together. Mm -hmm. And each time, which is classic because you see the shows and you're like, these people are all crazy. But the <laughs> two partners I had both failed their test. <laughs> Wait, like the, we had the psych test after after we did the psych test with my first partner, it was over. They Wasn't like it your they, dad? They, they no, it was like this guy was a screenwriter. His name is John Casson. He's Larry Casson's son, and uh -huh. he has done some movies on his own too. And uh, he, we were gonna go as like the neurotic, like I don't know, agoraphobic screenwriters, which I'm not really that, but I was happy to. I, I wanted to get on the show. It was my, this was my dream, and so like I was like, oh, I'll get on with John because you know he's perfect. He'll be funny because he's such. He's like a Woody Allen, like scared of like you know everything and it'll be funny and and so then he took the test and they were like gosh you really score off the charts and anxiety he's like i know and then they were like are you afraid to fly he's like yes and and he's like but what i'm really afraid of is just being in a room with someone other than myself and my bowel movements won't be regular and i and i, and I was like and at one point they were like you know if you don't win you have to go to um this place which is you know you don't go home you go to like it's called elimination station or something the tank and it's like a resort it's like a, it's nice yeah. it's like we were in it was on Koh Samui it was not like some you know 
wasn't like some dungeon. And he's like, I know, I'm worried about that too. And I was like, John, <laughs> we're not gonna lose, we're gonna win. And then he looks at me, he's like, do you realize how crazy you sound right now? <laughs> anyway, and so and then he like went back into his like, his free therapy session. It was like, he was like, oh, here, I got it. And so then they were like, yeah, so they didn't let us go. I was so mad at him. And I was like, dude, you, I mean, I could have chosen somebody else. And it was like, it was weeks from, we were down to like the last 14 teams. And it was like oh. something I really wanted to do. And so I didn't speak to him for like three weeks. I was like so mad. And then I, I finally had dinner with him and like we had dinner and he had like all these like third degree like the burns that looked like on his elbows and his face and stuff. And I was like, what happened? And he's like, well, after the whole fiasco with the amazing race, I, I felt really emasculated and I went and got a treadmill and I put it in my house and I fell off the treadmill and I got caught between the, the, the thing and I got burns all over my face. And I was like, oh my God, I can't be mad at this guy. He can't even be on a treadmill in his house, let alone like, travel around the world. But then, so then I went with my dad and he took the test and he failed too, but they went, let him go anyway. He scored really off the charts for paranoia and he, and, and he, uh, and, and I guess they, the woman kept saying, well, we're not, you know, because of your age, we're not afraid you're going to poke anyone. And, and she kept using the word poke, like, you're not going to poke anybody. So they let him through, even though he, he failed the test. So, I mean, so you're, you, you got, and you guys won. So. No, we didn't win. Wait, we, got, we got, we got far. I don't know. It was from. just, I guess, I guess they, they, they don't want to be responsible if he was violent, but like, he was like, I don't understand why, why, you know, wh what does it say? My dad was, a, he was, he was a. He's a former minister, evangelical, who became, who is gay and came out and became a gay activist. And he would go to all these churches and, and people would, I mean, he did some really crazy crap. Like people would spit on him and like death threats and stuff. And so by the time we did Amazing Race, he was full on, he, you know, he'd been really on the front lines of, and so the woman was like, well, you, you know, here it says, you know, you think people are trying to kill you. He's like, well, people are, I get letters all the time. They're threatening my life. And she's like, well, and here it says that you have had visions. He's like, well, once I was arrested for my activism, I went on a hunger strike. And after three days, I saw my heroes in the jail cell with me. Martin Luther King was there and then Gandhi. I mean, I know they weren't there, but it was like they were there. You know what I mean? And I was like, dad, what are you? And then he's like, well, what does it say about Mike? And she's like, well, he comes off pretty well. He's like, he's lying just to make himself look good for the test. Which is the epitome of my relationship with my dad. <laughs> it's astonishing. Like it, it speaks to the force of your will that you then succeeded. You made it on the show and succeeded. It was. What's funny though is that the being on the Amazing Race for my dad, because my whole my dad's whole trip was since he was a kid was like. He just wanted to prove that he was like normal, even though he was gay and like, you know, and he would go to these churches and try to like, you know, he was working out whatever was his deal with his parents through like the religious community, which obviously was a, a big waste of time. I mean, I think he did help people who were gay in those communities, but he, you know, the, he did suffer a lot from feeling just constantly rejected. Like he was basically just kept reopening the wound, you know, his wounds of his parents, you know, rejection of him because he was gay. And, but what's funny is that being on Amazing Race, because he is a very lovable, like, he's like such a, you know, there's such, he's a very charismatic, appealing guy. And so, I don't know, the reaction he got from being on that show in a weird way was, I think, as cathartic as, I was, in a weird way, it was something, it was like, yeah, it was like what he'd been looking for, you know, in, a, in his own in his own way, just to show that you know he was a good dad and he was a good guy. You know, a, a huge load of approval. Yeah, know. and just like people saw him as the cute guy that you know, father that he you know, I don't yeah. know. So it's funny how those reality shows like they're 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 silly, but they can have um, deeper um, impact. Yeah, they real. I mean, we love specifically Survivor is our favorite, and uh, and that's mainly th thanks to Megan's acumen. From the get-go, she was like, this show is pure and true and really well-constructed and really clever. And as as it has proceeded over what, the 20 years it's been on or no, so. it's like 30-some-odd seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost 40. Almost 40, yeah. But it's, yeah, they do two a year, so it's right. 20 years. 
Yeah. It's, it continues to, you know, add, uh, attempt to reinvent itself and stay fresh and sort of stay ahead of the players' strategies. Yeah, I don't like that part, but... You don't like the way they produce it? That's no, 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 I think they do a good job, but I, I feel like it gets, you know, to me what I always liked was the social experiment part of it was just like, I mean, I remember seeing it the first season, I was like, you know, in the very first episode, they vote off the sweet old lady who plays the guitar. And I was like, oh my God, and she's gone? It's over? She's dead? And it was like, and I, and that's what I liked about Survivor was like this kind of ritual, like collective murder. It was like Shirley Jackson's the lottery, like someone has to die and it's you, old lady, go. And it was like something about that, broken. like, yeah, it was just, it was so like, you know, it's like so, you know, there's something just so, yeah, to me, and the characters were just out of control. And so I like, so to me, I, I'm less interested in like the game part of it, except as it relates to that, just, you know, the personality, you know, like the personalities. When it gets to, when I feel like I'm just watching a game show, I get less interested. But then when I'm watching someone starving and like wishing death upon their, you know, or whatever, like the crazy <laughs> stuff that like the, it shows about how people act under like, you know, when they're deprived of stuff, that that part is why I watch it. Nick's sitting here breaking it down very logically, but the truth is that we've been toying with the idea of Nick actually being on Survivor for years, and it's sort of like a real possibility. Come on in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, really I was I'm it. your guinea pig. I mean, obviously yeah. you're more famous well, than I was, but uh, but it, it, I I mean I don't know. This is the I mean to me this is the I mean the reason I did the show like it's like at some point it's just fun to play a new game, you know. Mm. Yeah. So wait a minute. So what was the best? What were the best and worst parts of doing it? The whole thing was just, I I loved every second of it, to be honest. I thought I was going to have real problems with the starving and all of the, because I've done, you know, juice cleanse. I mean, I'm in LA, like I said, like I've done the juice <laughs> cleanses. I've had the colonics. Like I've had like where you're like starving and like, and I can't even make it to like the afternoon without being, you know, bitchy and unhappy. And so uh, I was like, this is not going to be good. And also I wanted to be fun and funny or whatever. And I was like, I'm not funny when I'm starving. I'm like actually just a, like a crotchety bitch who just sits in the corner and like, you know, it's not going to be that entertaining. I'm just going to suck. <laughs> but I, but what was weird is that like all the stuff that was like the, the sort of depriving parts of it was actually turned out to be not that bad. I mean, it was bad. Like I lost 25 pounds and I, and you know, you're, you know, mosquitoes are biting through your clothes and, but it is kind of like you're like having the, you know, this is the survive, you know, that's what you signed up. It's not like it's a surprise. <laughs> and it was funny how like the younger people who were like stronger, obviously, than me in many ways were like just like falling apart, like immediately, like, ah, what are we doing? Like, it was like, you know, <laughs> like there was like a server guy who was in the corner who's like, you know, he could like cut down trees and chop bamboo and had did all these things. And he was like lying in the corner, like, Dude, bro, what are we doing? And I was like, what is going on? I mean, it was funny how they were falling like flies. So, so that that part, right, the I think the hardest was, um, I don't know. It was it was the hardest was just yeah. The hardest was when I first got there, and you realize, you know, it's like I'm, you know, again, I'm not. It's not like everywhere I go, I'm recognized, but I I feel like I'm I'm used to. Uh, I don't know, whatever I've done in this business has has made has lubricated the social my social life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where I don't I'm not feeling like I always have to like justify why I'm somewhere or like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like, you know, people come to me and there's, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, I, I don't feel insecure usually when I'm in social situations. But like being there the first day and you realize like, okay, these people they don't like they don't care you know what i mean and like maybe you know it's like it, and they're all younger these are all like you know i was on the tribe of like the buff bodied people and i was like and i i felt like i was like back in like religious summer camp where i was like <laughs> i like i didn't know like how to connect with people and i was like trying to tell stories that made me sound cool about being on private planes with jennifer aniston or something it was just like <laughs> 
and you know trying to see if that would like get me in with them and just feeling like a total like like and so that part was but that was also part of why i wanted to do it because i feel like it, like that's the part when i said like playing a new game it's like i don't know it's you get it's some you know like at this age it's like i feel like i'm i don't know like to be unburdened by my own luggage and my own sense of identity is something that is, I crave it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Where you don't feel like, you know, here in LA, I'm always like, I'm gonna wait in line at that place or, you know, <laughs> you know, like everything <laughs> yeah. becomes, you know, you start seeing, it's like, you know, when you, that's what's fun about traveling is like, you just, you don't know how to orient everything. And so you're kind of liberated from your own, like, limited way of thinking about things you know yeah. and so you have to like take everything in a new way and that's what was fun about survivor 2 where it's just you know you're you're divorced from your old self and and or a, you can play a new self well and you mm. you've had a lot of success uh with film work and tv work where that in, in a way that has its own sort of cage where people come to expect certain things of you or they know your voice. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can feel hemmed in by like, uh, I live in this world there, there, it has its certain ruts Yeah, and it sounds like it's really liberating to break out of that. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm sure that's why, you know, you guys take on different kinds of not just roles, but you know, mediums or ways to express yourself and, and I think that that's, that's the part that I definitely am feeling more than ever in terms of the business and here being living here is this feeling of, you know, it's like you want to live an interesting life and you want to have respect for yourself as far as like the choices you made and like, you know, who you, how you lived, you know, and, and I just don't want to do things out of a compulsive just because that's what I do or that's where I get my approval. And that's, you know, it's like you want to have a more, you know, inspired way of lo looking at how you spend your time. You know what I mean? Especially as like, for me, you know, like obviously I, I wanted to make enough money to live and, and, and all that, but that's covered, you know? And so it's like, now it's sort of like, you know, it's cool to have, you know, make movies and have people like them or not like them or whatever. But I know, I know all the feelings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, as I embark on it, it's like, I, you know, this is a cool new thing, but I already, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, I feel like I know how I'm going to, you know, feel all the way through it. Or I know what, you know, I don't know. It's something, it just feels familiar in some way. And so it's like, the rush for me is when you're like, you know, you, you know, yeah, you're, 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 I don't know, uh, yeah, you're standing in front of some new way of thinking or feeling that you can't control and you, you learn something and I don't know. So th those are the experiences that I want to try to seek out, but sometimes you, out of laziness or just, it's just easier to just take the job or, <laughs> or just do the thing that you know that you're, you're good at doing, you, mm -hmm. you know, but... Yeah. Yeah, and I think everything is relative because you know every everyone is allowed to get to a point where they feel like they've, you know, come to a crossroads and maybe they want to do something else. And and why are they questioning, you know, where they're where they're at and continuing forward with the same thing they've been doing? I mean, I think it happens to everybody at a certain point. Yeah. Right, and it's also to me, it's a, it's it's really more. It's just about saying money and the certain kind of attention that I get in this industry is is not the value, is not the metrics for how I value my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you've had the good fortune to learn that that d doesn't pay the dividends yeah. that mm -hmm. the, the audience might suspect it would. But if I would just say to the audience who's thinking that, trust me, <laughs> you don't have to go through all this yeah. to, to yeah. learn the lesson. Like, no, I know I'd... you can't, you don't, unless it's just like anything is like, I can't tell people what it's like to, be on Survivor and then know what's on it, but I can, t you know, it's like, trust me, like, it's not, it's... Yeah. I, th I think this is a delicious conversation about the human experience because it's applicable to anybody's life where it sort of, sort of boils down to the question, um, in your case, of like, do I, do I uh, stay in this world of opportunity where I can write myself to happiness or I can create 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, through your work, you can, you can create a sense of fulfillment or should I step away from that and allow my, the way I live my life to mm-hmm. create that mm-hmm. sense of fulfillment? Should I live the movie or should I yeah, make, write the, the movie. make the movie? Or is, it, is the answer a balance <clears throat> yeah. of, of the two? Um, and it's something that I, you know, Megan and I from the get-go have had a student-teacher element because she's been through everything in the business uh, a decade before me just because of our age difference. Um, and and her, you know, she's been cast as the lead of stuff as soon as she showed up to her first audition. Um, whereas I was more like, how do you guys have room for a donkey in this production? And so in our in our lives together and in our house, we we definitely feel very lucky that we get to make our living being creative, whether it's doing stuff with her band or working as actors or writing books or doing a podcast. But that is a constant, you know, something that it's hard to fathom once it, from the outside it appears that our dreams have come true. It's hard to fathom that you're still human beings with all of the insecurities and neuroses and whatever. Um, so even even if you're, you know, handed a five-picture deal as a superhero from Marvel or Disney, whatever they're called now. Uh, Everyone's dream. It's, yeah. It's, but, but actually, <laughs> so, but, yeah. but truly the dream of many yeah. or, or what you would think a Hollywood dream would be. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty easy to fathom once you get remotely close to it, uh, how it applies really practically where you're like, oh, that, okay. So not only am I signing up to play the superhero, but I have to work with a trainer six hours a day. Like my f- eating is going to be is torturous for the next seven years. I have to fly to Tokyo at the drop of a hat for junkets and so forth. Like mm-hmm. once you begin to understand the the many the myriad ways in which it takes over your life, suddenly it's not so much a dream as like a really complicated life choice. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's healthy that you are in, that you are able to ask that of yourself rather than you know you know but what's the answer well <laughs> so we were talking earlier before we started recording you were saying that you were at a point where you were wondering how much money you need to have before you can stop yeah yeah <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute i mean is there a number there's an there's a commercial that has like you know have you seen those commercials where it's like your retirement number and it's like and they're like a million and da, 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 and it's like i just i think that's funny to think that there's a number but i but i but i i um i don't know i mean it's funny because i look at my parents and and this is pretty personal but i doubt they'll listen to this but like you know my dad has always had this need to feel special which i definitely am i don't know i i'm that's my malediction but like I, but I, you know, it's like, and he has lived his life like needing to be seen and da 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 and all this stuff. And there's like a lot of sturm and drang with that. And my mom has not really been like that. She just has a community of friends and like, and, it's like, and as they've gotten older, it's like, I look at my mom and like, she has her, I don't know, she's just, it's like, she's, she's just put roots like deeper and deeper and the roots are, you know, really strong. And it seems like that's what you guys are doing, which is, you know, it's like create, you know, have, creating a really creative community and, and I don't know, like having like. Well, that's one thing about doing this podcast is you, you know, we're talking to all different people and so far they've all been people that we know, but it, every person has made me think about, you know, different subjects like this and things that, you know, I think you can always relate to everybody's experience, but I think that's a cool, um, offshoot of this, of doing this podcast is that it makes you, it makes you think about a lot of things and really examine where you're at. Yeah. And I mean, specifically in your case, the, I, I feel like you're really good. The thing, um, I love about your work so much is your ability to insert these questions uh, front and center in your films. In uh, Brad Stannis, Beatrice at Dinner, and Enlightenment spring to mind, where you're putting these existential questions like, mm-hmm. "What are we doing here?" <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. "What? 
what life choices can I feel good about or yeah. or will I just be a drone? Right, yeah, yeah. How can I avoid that regret? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Nick. Hello. Listen, I'm in a, I'm in a little bit of a hurry because I'm on my way to therapy, but um, did you know that you can get counseling online? Um, no, I did not know that. I mean, I'm not saying that you need it, but I'm just saying for no particular reason that you could get counseling online. Well, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, in general, sometimes there is something interfering with my happiness or preventing me from achieving my goals. Um, well, there you go. Is this online counseling the kind of thing that could help with that? It is. It is absolutely the kind of thing that could help with that. It's called Better Help. Better Help. And uh, you can go to them and you can find a professional counselor. And but it's, uh, is it a licensed professional counselor? Yes, it is. Okay, good. Yes, it is. They specialize in depression, anxiety, relationships. I mean, not that your relationship is anything less than 100% perfect. Trauma, anger, family conflicts, shut up, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem. I mean, your self-esteem is pretty low, I think we can say. Well, I mean, you know, um, self-loathing, I think, is something that occurs to everybody. (laughs) But, I mean, these these are all pretty great things, and I feel like, you know... We know a lot of people besides ourselves that f- sort of fall into these categories that could use uh, a little help one and, way or another. And even though it's online, it's safe and it's private, and um, everything that you talk about is completely confidential. So I guess I the cool really- thing is, since it's online, you can probably set up appointments to do it at your own time. Yeah, whenever pace. you want. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it at like 2 in the morning, but you could do it at pretty much your own time. In your own time. Um, so, yeah, you just do it over the phone. You can do a video chat. You can text. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can do it. Um, so, and if you're not, you find a counselor and you're not happy with them, you can request a new counselor oh, anytime you want to. That's excellent. Yeah. So, um, look, I did look into this a little bit because mm. I'm a little worried about you, only because you have to deal with me. Let's face it. Well, um, you can get 10% off of your first month with the discount code BED, B-E-D. Wow, so why not? I mean, it is half your podcast. Yeah. You know, so. It sounds pretty affordable. I mean, in general, probably rather than hauling myself into some fancy therapy office. Um, I guess if I'm going to go there and fill out a questionnaire and See if they can help me assess my needs and get matched with a counselor that I might love. All right. Well, you got to go to betterhelp.com slash bed. And, uh, you know, that's all you really need to do. And I'm sorry that I've been such a handful and that you need to go to therapy. But I'm glad that there's a resource for you. Hey, we're all in this together. Okay. Hey, guys. Rothy's is the company that makes stylish shoes and now bags for women and girls out of repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. So that's pretty great. Rothy's shoes are comfy. They are already broken in. Don't have to do that. It's done for you. They're machine washable. And Rothy's launches new colors and patterns every few weeks and they sell out really fast. So, you know, you basically got to go on that website and just stay on it 24-7 to be safe. They come with free shipping and free returns. And um, Rothy's has kept 50 million single-use plastic water bottles out of landfills. So good for them. Check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash bed. Go to rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash bed. Comfort, style, and sustainability. Meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash bed today. Um, I think we do need to talk about the show you did for HBO, Enlightened, which is one of Nick and my all-time favorite shows. Um, what did you do, two seasons? We did two seasons. Yeah, yeah. and we were so... Uh, I told you this before, but... When I found out that it wasn't going to have a third season, 
And I told Nick, he started crying. Well, <laughs> it was a very dusty uh, grain truck. We were in the back crying. of a grain truck. There's That's a lot of how much we air. loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. So what I when you said because I don't think I ever realized until now that you were from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, we we did talk a little bit about all the tarot card reading, you know, channeling aspects of being from here and just this little subculture. So how that now the <clears throat> idea of the show is taking on a whole new meaning, but <laughs> I really am that woman. <laughs> <laughs> you are that beautiful blonde woman. Um, so talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, did did you go to them with, did you go to HBO with the idea or did they approach you to do a show? Well, I wanted to do a show with Laura and I had- Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern. And the idea was like, she'd had a version of the idea and I was, I was, you know, the time before, I didn't want to do TV again because the last time I did TV, I was actually hospitalized because I lost my mind. I was like, <laughs> I literally had, like the beginning of Enlightened, she's like at her work and she's like, fuck all of you, da -da. And that was what happened to me where I was like, burn it down, like sent the email you're not supposed to send, copy everybody in Hollywood, like <laughs> send all. And it was like, and, I, and a part of me was, it was just a, it was like a, literally a Fox uh, sitcom and... And it was just, it was Jason Schwartzman and Molly Shannon. And Mike and, White, Bridge Burner. Wait, I, what was the name of that it show? It was called Cracking Up, ironically. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and uh, right. I just had the worst experience on that. And I felt like I was throwing this party and I had all my friends come and then the party sucks and then it doesn't end. And it just keep every day you're like, sorry, I know this sucks, but I don't know what to do. You know, and I was, I was, I was still pretty young, like I was 33 or four or whatever. And I was, and, and so, yeah, I had this, like, basically I had like a nervous breakdown and I was, I went to a shrink. I, like, I'd sent this letter. I was hoping that they'd fire me. And instead, like, I, I got a call and they were like, Gail Berman's in her office and she's crying. She's never felt more betrayed by a writer, but where's the script? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I was like, it's not over. Like it was like, it was, like, it was just gonna be more hostile. And like, it just, and so I like, uh. I started feeling like I was having a heart attack. And I went to a shrink that my dad, of course, uh, connected me to. And I, he was like, do you feel like you're, you know, have any suicidal ideation? And I was like, well, I want to throw myself in front of a bus, but like, that's not new really. And then, and so the next thing you know, I'm like being checked into Los Encinas and I, and, they, and I was like, and I realized I was like, gonna have a room. And I was like, you know, you guys, I'm not like crazy. I'm just stressed the fuck out. And this is not necessarily gonna help me. <laughs> and like, so then I, I literally am chased out of Los Like they ch run after me. I'm in a, I get to my car, I lock the door. I like <laughs> drive off as these people are chasing me. My, my mother's with them and she's crying. She doesn't know what's going on. You had to escape in other words? Yeah, I was like, I, no. And as they were doing all the paperwork, I was like, no, fuck this. And I like ran out to my car and ran away, I drove away. Oh. And, I, and like, and, and then I'm driving and it turns out the shrink had called the office and was like, Mike's not coming in today or anytime soon. He's gone away to get the help he needs. And so like, there's like 10 messages on my machine from all of these people who had been making my life a living hell, by the way. Like all these producers who were like crying, being like, just get the help you need, forget about the show. And I was, and I was on my way back to work. <laughs> Oh, and I was like, God. fuck. Oh. So I had had that sort of shit the bed work experience. And I was like, and then I, after that, it was like the best year of my life. Cause like they canceled the show and I was just like, I'd been under so much pressure that I was just like, every day was like, I was on cloud nine. like, so happy just to be alive and not working on a Fox show. And so like, and so then. Uh, Trauma aside, that was baller, amazing race training right there. Yeah. You mean running away from get, the. Get to the, the car. <laughs> the psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've, I've. That's what. I, that's one thing I am good at: running away. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I was just. I thought. It, so I was like, I don't want to do another show. But I was like, it'd be funny to do a show about somebody who sh totally shits the bed at work and then has to come back and then it's like, suddenly like. I've had all this help and I'm gonna help you guys. Like, cause that's how I felt like when I was like, I'd go by and see, you know, the people that were in the show and I'm like, everything's great. You know, did you ever see Ordinary People with Diana? Uh, like there was a scene with Timothy Hutton where he meets one of his old friends from Shrink and she's like, Conrad, we're gonna have an amazing summer. 
It's going to be the best summer ever. And then the next scene, like she's committed suicide. And he's like, <laughs> and that's, I was like, yeah, it's great out here on the other side. But yeah, so that was, that was the idea. That's, that was my, that was, that was what excited me about doing the show was like somebody who's like, she's totally lost her mind, but like she's come back and she's done some self-help and now she has the answers for the, the company and everybody. And, and I was like, that's me. Mm. Oh, such a brilliant show. <laughs> and she keeps trying, she keeps trying to be a role model and be spiritual and just crashing and burning at every turn. Yeah. And you have, you're so, you're so great at casting. I must say, you really have such a great well, eye. Laura, I mean, that was ri written for Laura and she's obviously can do so, I don't, pretty much anything. But, you know, we have a, really good mutual friend, Molly Shannon. And you were the first person to cast her. You uh, did an indie movie that she was the lead in called Year of the Dog. What was it, what, about? 2007, I 2007. think. And, uh, you know, that was really the first time that people had, I, you know, I was friends with her before that. And I, and I remember having lunch with her one time and saying, I, for some reason, so see you doing dramatic stuff mm -hmm. too. And we had a, you know, whole, she was really, you know, you know, Molly, Molly's so amazing and filled with humility and I mean, real humility. Um, but I, I, she was so great in that. And that really opened a lot of doors for her to do all the incredible, stuff more dramatic yeah, work she's, she's awesome. done since then. Well, she was the person that I felt the most, I felt bad about everybody that I'd let down on that show, but she, well, that's how I knew her was that Fox show. Mm -hmm. And then after that was over, I was like, I gotta make this up to Molly somehow. It's like, and also she is such a, you know, she's such a uniquely, it's like, I wish I could, you know, whatever she's got, I wish I could just take a pill of that every morning or something. Yeah. And, you know, cause she's got such a good attitude about, I don't know, she's just very grateful I all the time. I think of all the parents that I've known friends of mine she's the top she's the best mother or it doesn't get any better yeah she's so her. yeah she's a great great mother so yeah so yeah i wanted to write something for her and i also thought you know there's something about her she's i mean i do think the movie's funny but also it's you know she plays these sort of big you know when she was on Saturday Night Live obviously and what people had known her for but there's something also really funny about her and she's being real like you know super simple and quiet or something yeah so I, I i let me rephrase that um it's not a drama it is i mean she, but dr there yeah, are dramatic elements and, like, and she care. plays a real person yeah mm -hmm. and i think that that allowed people to see her in a completely new oh that's cool yeah no, light. She's... and also uh you know you did that movie the good girl with jennifer aniston in 2000 early One, 2000s yeah, yeah. And um, I, I think also that was at a time when, um, you know, on, people only knew her from friends and you saw her in a different yeah. way. Well, it's, I, I've always, I mean, I, I generally find that people, I don't know what I should say, that, but I feel like sometimes <laughs> dramatic actors are dramatic actors because they ha tend to be a little more humorless. Yes, <laughs> I like completely agree with so that. They, there's like, and so that's not my tribe, no. you know, because it's like you'll. Those are the it's actors like, that give actors a bad name. A well, lot but of I mean, the time, they can be great. I mean, in the, you know, sure. you know, drama is drama, and you know, like whatever. But like, if I, it's like it's in my, you know, it's something I'm writing or whatever. It's like it just sometimes, yeah, it's like there's we're not connecting no and so like but with comedians i feel like obviously i think there's a lot more my feeling about you know generally working with you know people seen as comedic actors is there there's way less um uh vanity first of all mm -hmm. and then there's just it's like they're trying to go for the truth, whatever it is and obviously they get the comedy but i i think i honestly think drama is easier to do than you know i agree finding the nuances that you know because i don't know it's like that's to me that's life is like people in general are absurd at the same time they go through real pain mm -hmm. so it's like you know you you need to get all the colors yeah yeah, yeah. I, we were saying that the other day that most almost all of our 
friends and the people that we're drawn to come from comedy. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of. At the same time, whenever, like, when I did that show and why it was such a disaster was whatever the their idea of what comedy was was something that was so uh i felt so uncomfortable or i wasn't able to deliver on like you know something that is just you know like f you know just funny you know like funny like that they would be like turn the lights on like i just want to go to that house and turn on all the lights and it's like when she looks sad i'm sad and I'm like, what? <laughs> and like that the music that makes them seem sort of crazy or something. And I'm like, it was just all this oh stuff. And I'm like, gosh. I don't, yeah. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what are they? Uh -huh. So it's like, yeah. So for me, like, and I always want to give, I don't know, it's something, it's, this is my, this is the problem of my whole, uh, as far as like trying to be successful, uh, super successful, is that I don't want to give people what they want. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's like if you're trying to win a popularity contest and then you win, it just sort of seems like, you know, it's still, it's not easy to do, Yeah. but it's doesn't, it's like, it's more like, you know, I want you to love my ugly baby. Right. <laughs> don't you, you know, it's like the uglier the baby, yeah. the sadder the baby. Yeah. It's Mike, like, I don't, I don't think know. you're cut out for network television. Let's no, just put it that not. way. No. Well, yeah, there's something to, experience. you don't want, you don't want them to uh, reward you for what they wanted. You want to supersede that by them saying, oh, you gave us your ugly baby. And that was, thank God, yeah. you stuck to your guns because that's obviously way better right. than our stupid corporate baby. I mean, it's the same as just how you go in life where it's like, oh, you you know, if I'm charming and, you know, rich and like, you know, whatever, it's like, you like me? Yeah, sure, you like me. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. You don't know me. <laughs> This is Nick Offerman here to tell you that I am very chuffed that I discovered Grassroots Farmers Cooperative. This is a company that I am really excited about. They raise their meat in a pasture. Not only is their meat delicious, it also has a higher nutritional value because their animals are 100% pasture raised. All right, they're not living in a cage, they're not being force-fed grain. Unlike factory farming, which is destroying our planet, Grassroots Co-op is fighting the effects of climate change by practicing regenerative agriculture, taking it back to Mother Nature, getting the chemicals out of farming, getting the industry out of farming. Also, they support local farmers. Grassroots Farmers Cooperative are the farmers and the butchers. There's no middleman. So they can have the highest standards across the board and offer you complete transparency. You can trace your meat from pasture to plate. You can even go visit the farms in person. It's incredible. No subscriptions are necessary. You order what you want, when you want, at peak freshness. I've got a whole panoply of their meat in my freezer. This morning I made the most delicious ham steaks with my eggs and it... When I'm telling you, when you eat grass-fed meat and grass-fed eggs, which are not on offer here, but I'm, this is just a personal anecdote for your pleasure, it takes me back to when I was a kid and, and, and we got locally raised uh, meats and, and eggs. It's so much more nutritious. It's before factory farming became so prevalent. You can find out for yourself by ordering Grassroots Co-op right now. They're giving our listeners this fantastic limited-time deal. It's $40 off plus free shipping. You can get the full details and place your order now by going to our special URL, grassrootscoop.com slash bed. That's grassrootscoop.com slash bed. Enjoy. It isn't really important. I don't think it can be overstated that to try to work with, you know, you said your tribe as much as humanly possible. I think that's the key to happiness in your job. Yeah. I mean, I've had jobs that went on for years where I realized in retrospect that those people absolutely 100% didn't get me and weren't interested in yeah. finding out, you know? Yeah. I think especially if you're there as an actor too, 
you're so vulnerable to that. You know, it's, it just can really, That's I mean, I've known worst. friends who've been on like, you know, hit shows mm. and at the same time they f have felt, yeah, like the worst about themselves that they've ever felt or something like, mm -hmm. you know, like, or again, for our audience out there, you <laughs> know what it's of, like to be on a hit show. But I remember when you were on Survivor, <laughs> you were talking about the fact that everybody is the most impressed with when they find out that you wrote School of Rock. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody wants to talk about. And yet that's not necessarily your, I mean, I'm sure it's I mean, what you're I, proud I, of. I was like, that, honestly, if School of Rock had been like an unseen, like, you know, streamer, it was a straight to video thing, really then funny. I would be like, oh, you like School of Rock? Yeah. But then when it's like, eh, you know, School of Rock, it's like, I don't know, like when you make something, I don't, you know, it's for me, it's not like I, I don't know, once it's out there, it's like, if it almost feels like it's, I don't know, it's not mine any, it's, you know, it's, it's really just in the making where you feel really alive with it. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I don't know, it's like, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's no, not, I, I know it's what not, you mean. It's, it's but the yeah, same it, with acting. I think once it, once it's out, it takes on a different right. feel. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask about your uh, reign of terror in Norway with Aubrey Plaza. You <laughs> just got back from how long in Norway? We were there for like 10 days. 10 days, just the two of you? Uh, different people. I, what was funny is like, <laughs> I have a goddaughter who, we went to Sweden the year before, Aubrey and I. Mm -hmm. And then at some point we ran into my goddaughter who's like 18 years old and she's very like, like, I don't know, it was, I was like, I gotta keep her away from Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, but like, she ended up oh. interning in uh, Sweden again this summer and so we, we ran into my goddaughter so there's a part of my goddaughter but yeah so me and Aubrey took Norway by storm it was it was I what happened is I ended up going I am did all my just like I do my Enneagram and my astrology I did my DNA and like found oh, my ancestors yeah. I have like you know like all this family from Norway and so like through all that, I found a cousin who is like a like a thousand times removed who lives in Oslo, <laughs> and so like he and he's rich, which is you know the best if you're finding like old. It's like it's like all the poor relatives I found. I'm like it's like it's, you spend all your life like you're like I'm not like I'm I'm like I've been trying to ditch these relatives and now I'm trying to find the new ones on Ancestry. I'm just kidding but like there is a, so he's like some rich Norwegian like realtor and I was like we gotta go out with him this is gonna be fun he'll take us out and so like we so we hit the town in Oslo and it was like one of those nights it's just like you can't it just, it's, I don't even, I don't <laughs> what know. What happened? We just partied and there was, I ended up in strange houses and I don't know. It was just like back, you know, it was back when you were really rocking. I love that. How yeah. do you know Aubrey? I just met her at a party once. <laughs> That's Aubrey. I don't know a lot about um, Nordic uh, police techniques, but was it, was it hard to cover up Aubrey's murders while you were there, or, <laughs> or did she? I mean, do you think you got away Dude, with we left, it? Uh, we left the bodies. Yeah, it's funny because we stayed at this hotel. The that, ground is hard for digging. Yeah, in those cold exactly. Countries. It was. We went. We stayed at this like old, seriously old hotel in the middle of nowhere, and it was haunted. Like they literally had like a ghost in the hotel that they served. They 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 put out a plate of food for every night. <laughs> they all have seen it. Like they. I mean, like. And these seem like normal people, but they're like, oh, yeah, she's, she walks the halls. <laughs> and Aubrey was like, it was like she was, had she a, found her home. Like I, she was like, I had an all-girls party, and Aubrey stood, all the women were down in the yard, in the backyard, and there's a, we have a deck, and she, Aubrey stood out on the deck and gave a witch's incantation to the entire party. Mm. And it was so right. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's found her calling for sure. Yeah, yeah. She, it's funny because I'm always trying to get. I don't. It's like I, I, I mean, obviously I part. I mean, I still drink and, and but like I found that like what was funny is that she was really jet lagged. So I'd be so like she would wake up every morning and she'd be like, ugh. 
for like the first five hours. And I was like, you need like a cocktail or something. <laughs> and so like the whole week, I like, I'm literally like pushing her to drink the whole time. And she's like, why? I can't keep drinking like this. I was like, well, when you're sober, you're like, a you're a drag. You gotta like party. <laughs> but then when she parties, she's like, there's literally no one funner. Like yeah. she will just, she's like punk rock. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> she gives zero fucks, and that's how I like to roll. I love that. Let's all go to dinner. Let's call yeah, Aubrey. In. Definitely. Let's do it. What's funny is I don't ever see her. The one time I saw her was here at your house. I We only see each other in, in Scandinavia. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note... On that note. This episode is dedicated to the Scandinavians you left in your wake. All right, dear listener, thank you for listening to another very, very special episode of the number one internationally acclaimed hit podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring Nick Offerman. What up? Featuring Megan Mullally. With our extremely special guest star, Mr. Mike White. Thank you for having me. You know him, you love him. All right, everybody. Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Nick. Oh, hello. Guess what? What's up? This episode is brought to you by Sleep Number. Oh, that's crazy. Listen, uh, do you feel that I'm trying to change you? Yeah. Oh. Um, In no, what, what ways? Well, I mean, no, I mean, small ways. Like, sometimes you ask me to change my facial hair situation, or you seem seems like you would prefer that I wore nicer clothes sometimes. Mm. Well... I guess, but I mean, those are pretty small ways. I don't feel like you're usually trying to change m the core of me. Think about what happens in the bed. Um, the sleep number bed. Okay. Well... We uh, we have found that our bed has adjustable comfort. Um, it has... I'm talking about ways in which I might want to change you in said bed. Oh, like when I'm snoring and you want to change the position of the bed? Yeah, or how I wanted you to stop snoring, and so we got a sleep number bed, and then you stopped snoring. Right, because it, ha it has a thing called partner snore technology, where if your partner's snoring, you can actually move their mattress position. That, yeah. And like, because of the, because the mattress can be firmer or less firm depending, there's a certain like mattress number, oh, shall I say 45, that keeps you from snoring as much magically. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, I think... And you wanted me to stop talking in my sleep because it was really getting kind of crazy. It was like pretty much like just long, long, loud monologues all night long. Yeah, which were really interesting. That was the problem is I, I wanted to know what happened. Um, and you never, but you never finish. Well, I found it at number 35, I don't talk at all in my sleep, but I found at number 65, I talk in my sleep, but there's a beginning, middle, and an end. Well, I am... So if you want entertainment, you can put me at 65. Yeah, I mean, I, I want you to get a good night of sleep, first and foremost. And using uh, Sleep Numbers Sleep IQ technology... We can actually look at our personalized insights and see how we're sleeping. We can get a printout of when we're sleeping right, when we're sleeping wrong, and how we can improve that using the adjustability of our cool mattress. Yeah, I don't want to judge the way you sleep or how you sleep, but I think if you have improvements you'd like to make on your own, then that's great. But also... 
Having said that, there are times um, where it comes in handy because if if you're tossing and turning a lot, the sleep our sleep number bed will actually adjust to accommodate you so that you get more comfortable and don't have to jangle around as much. That's pretty crazy. It is a little kooky. It's very, you know, Judson's futuristic. The future is now in the our bedroom. Is- in so many ways, but not the least not least of which is our sleep number bed. Discover smart, effortless comfort with the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. Come in now and save up to $600 on select Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. For limited time, only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com slash in bed. Hey, Nick. Hey, honey. Listen, you seem fine, but I just wanted to tell you that in case you're suffering from depression or anxiety or trauma or grief, okay. betterhelp.com can connect you with a professional counselor, and it's safe and it's private and it's online. Wow, that sounds great. Where do, where do I find that? Are you, are you all right? Yeah. I oh. mean, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to check it out. I think it sounds healthy. Okay, yeah. Well, you just can go to betterhelp.com slash bed, and you get 10% off of your first month with that discount code, which is BED, B-E-D, all caps. And you just you can fill out a questionnaire, and you get matched up with a counselor that you're going to really love. Okay, thanks, honey. See you later. Oh, gosh. Um, well, okay. But, but, you know, you can do it over the phone. You can do a video chat. You can even text you have okay. a phone, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm listen. I'm run, running out to. Uh... Well, it's confidential. Oh, I, it... I think you should tell me about it, but it's other than that, it's confidential. Okay, I'll record myself doing Are it. Are you doing it? No, but I'm going to check it out. What's it called again? Betterhelp.com/bed. Better yeah. Okay. See you later. Uh oh.